Welcome to the In Awe Podcast, where we amplify women by sharing their unique stories and empower a community through the mission and their message. I am your host, Sarah Johnson, a former school teacher and principal turned author and entrepreneur, living my own leap of faith on a mission to teach masses. Each week, we will feature stories from women who will leave us all in awe of their impact on our world. Welcome to the In Awe Podcast and a fresh series for the month of October. This month, we are featuring women who have faced down fears in their lives and bring their messages of courage through the fear to us. And part of that is battling back the fear of bringing their messages to the Anna community. I am so proud of these women. As Bob Goff says, fear will give us a reason not to try. Hope will give us a reason not to listen. Each one of the women on the series inspires me to be bolder, braver, realize that there's nothing we cannot face when we choose to rise to the challenge and slay our fears. I am so excited for this series, friends. To kick off our fearlessness series, I am bringing to you an incredibly special person in my own life. This woman has literally laughed alongside me in all the seasons from awkward, exuberant high school years to companionship in her 20s through husbands and babies, loss and life shift. She is seriously a bright light in this world, and I know you are going to love her story. Kyleen Ingolstadt is a wife and mother and works as a benefits consultant with Marsh and McLennan Agency. Kyleen has been in the insurance industry for over 15 years. She enjoys helping employees provide a solution that only makes their lives and jobs easier, but also serves a great opportunity for their employees. Kyleen holds a degree in business management from Bethel University, which she earned tenaciously after her life path was derailed in her early 20s from a fearful diagnosis. Kyleen is a breast cancer survivor and remains in advocacy for others through her work on the American Cancer Society Legacy Ball Event Committee. In today's episode, Kyleen shares with us her experience being diagnosed and treated for breast cancer at a young age, the fears she faced after cancer subsided, and she shares with us great wisdom from lessons she gained forging through that fear. I am incredibly in awe of Kyleen, and anyone who knows her cannot help but get caught up in her light, laughter, and spirit. It is a treasured and deep honor to share with you Kyleen Ingolstadt's fearlessness story. Welcome, Kyleen Ingolstadt, to the In Awe podcast. This is such a special conversation for me to have, and I am beyond excited for my listeners to come to your incredible story today. So welcome, my dear friend. Thank you, Sarah. So excited to be here. We have Kyleen featured on this wonderful series and we're kicking off with her and you'll know why listeners, once we get into the meat of this conversation in awe of fearlessness in the month of October. And Kyleen is just a person when I think about a person who has been through it, um, you know, been through the fearful moments and the pits herself and just has this wonderful, glorious story about real real life coming out of things in a real way. So, Kyleen, would you just share with the listeners a little bit about the context in which you are in, where you're at, what you do? Who is Kyleen? <laughs> well, Kyleen is a wife and a mother. I have a little six-year-old boy and I am, I have a husband. Um, I work in Minneapolis. I'm an, a consultant uh, for an insurance broker. I've been in many different forms of insurance through my career, um, but now I work in for a broker agency with uh, serving for employee health and benefits consulting to our clients to help them develop some really great employee health and benefit packages. That's who I am. <laughs> really kind of fun when I I haven't even unpacked that in my own mind yet in terms of what you do and the implication that that you know has had in your own life regard to our story. But I wanted to share too with the listeners, Kyleen and I have a really, really special connection. And I love that I get to amplify her story today. But uh, do you want to share how we met? Do you- <laughs> Sure. We met, gosh, was I a, was I a junior? 
a junior in high school. I think it was a junior in high school. Gosh, I can't remember if it was junior or senior. But anyways, we met doing community theater back in our hometown. (laughs) So we went to two different high schools, but met in community theater. And I just... I'm so thrilled that we have had this lifetime journey together and really um, perfect example of how our life chapters kind of ebb and flow with our friendships, but how we can stay connected. And Kylene has just been such, you've been just such a wonderful landing point for me in so many different phases of my life. So teenagers, and then uh, through college, we attended the same college and she was, Kylene, you were a year ahead of me in college. So you were just kind of somebody to to hook to in in that first year with so many unknowns and just have always been there through the incredibly important points in my life, seeing one another's weddings, we've seen one another's babies, and it's just a real special connection that we have. So I wanted to make sure that the listeners were aware of that before we get into the meat of why, of course, I wanted to amplify your story this month. Okay, so let's let's go ahead and just unpack a little bit about that fearlessness. I, I think that your story is just so impactful in regard to your um, the challenge that you had in a youthful age. Most people don't experience what you did at such a young age. So you just want to share your story on that topic? Yes. So when I was 22 years old and I was going into my, well, it would be my fifth year in college. I was a super senior. I was home for the summer being college semesters and I was home working and I uh, discovered a lump in my breast and obviously I was 22 years old and just had my annual physical went in and I mentioned something to my doctor about it and uh, she wasn't concerned and cysts run in our family so my mom and had like made me not concerned about it either, but at least I brought, brought it up to my uh, physician and she was amazing. I mean, she's just awesome. She was like, yeah, I'm not worried about it, but let's check all the boxes. And so we went for ultrasound, but you know, obviously when you're that young, you're breasts are very dense and you can't see anything. So then they, you know, moved me over to do some mammogram and it, that's when I started to get a little concerned about what was going on. Um, Cause then they were like, Hey, we just need to do a mammogram on the one breast. And then they made me wait in the waiting room. And they're like, actually, can you come back in? We would like to do one on the other one to compare. And I was like, what do you mean to compare? So, uh, yeah, and that was um, also the day of like dress rehearsal uh, dinner for one of my good friends from high school, her wedding. So I had a lot on my mind, but I was also excited to like get into the weekend. And this was kind of then not weighing on my mind. So then had the wedding rehearsal. The next day was the wedding. Um, and I guess Saturday while I was at the wedding, my doctor tried to call my parents' house several times. And I was unaware because I was at the wedding having fun. And so the next morning, Sunday morning, super early, after you've been out late dancing at a uh, wedding, you get a phone call from your doctor and you know, that's not going to be great. Um, so yeah, then she, she had mentioned to me, she's like, I've already made you a biopsy appointment for a little bit. It's a little bit concerning what we saw on the mammogram. So we just want to make sure that we've checked all the boxes again. And so she had scheduled me a needle biopsy for the next day. So we had that. And then I had to wait two days for the results. (laughs) And those were the longest two days of my life. I swear. Yeah. So when we talk about that, you know, fear, that fearlessness, it's not, it's that bravery is not 
the absence of fear. You know, it's, it's moving forth step by step, toe by toe through that fear. So do you remember, I mean, do you recall even all these years later, the feelings at that time? Yeah, I had, you know, it was hard to focus on anything else. Like I, I had a job, you know, during the summer I worked in downtown Minneapolis and it was hard to focus because I had this pit in my stomach and part of me was saying to myself, oh, it's nothing. It really is nothing. Like they're just double checking and that's great. I'm glad they're double checking. But then the other part of me had this like sinking feeling. I couldn't eat anything for a couple of days. I kept looking at the clock. I kept calling the doctor because they said they would let me know by Wednesday of that week. And I was like, well, by Wednesday just means the latest they'll let me know is Wednesday, right? So I kept calling. They're like, your doctor will call you when they have the results. And patience was not, I was not, that's not one of my finer points anyways, but it, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it was definitely trying my patience at that time. Didn't really sleep well. So yeah, I had a lot of fear at that time, just of the unknown. I think once you have a diagnosis or not, then you can move forward. But at that point, those two days, I had a lot of fear of the unknown is really all it was at that point. And just really wanting, I need an answer. Like, I don't care what it is at this point. I just need something so I can move on to the next thing and attack or get on with my life. And I was also really scared for what my future might hold. Like, for many different reasons, but like I was going to be back at school in college with my friends. And that's where at that point in your life, like that's where I should have been. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I had a lot of selfish feelings about that where this isn't fair. Why, you know, if this happens to me, why, you know, mm -hmm. so that, that Wednesday, I finally got a phone call from my doctor but they were like, you need to come in before the end of the day and meet with us, which to me, I was like, are you serious? After all these days of waiting, I have to come in. And so like that was the sinking feeling in my stomach that there was something more to this. So, yeah. So the drive home from Minneapolis that day was quite long and I was very frustrated, <laughs> frustrated with the traffic, frustrated with my dad, you know, like I was taking it out on everybody that I loved because I just wanted to know the answer to this and we couldn't get there fast enough, you know. I think about knowing you through the phases and and even years later, just that sage wisdom that you had kind of gained even after everything. Um, it's so easy to picture <laughs> how the youth on that was not on your side <laughs> in those days. <laughs> but just so grateful that you had the great people around you to support. And so fast forwarding a little bit, what was your official diagnosis? So I had infiltrating ductal carcinoma and it was stage 2B. And then they had something that they labeled on like a Nottingham scale at that time. I'm sure they do things differently now, but back then there was this Nottingham scale. And I think it was, I think the top of the scale was nine for how quickly something was growing. And I had a nine. Hmm. So, I mean, they said it was pretty aggressive. And obviously when you're younger, from what I recall them telling me at the time, is that it tends to be more aggressive when you're younger um, with breast cancer anyways. So the lump couldn't have been there very long, but it was growing pretty quickly. And it was, thankfully, it was only stage 2B. So, yeah, that's the official diagnosis. And then it was estrogen positive 
and then her two positive um, progesterone negative. Just trying to remember all the little <laughs> tidbits. There. After that, you went through, you know, you get the diagnosis and then there's the treatment. And so that, of course, um, just educating us a little bit at that, like you said at that time, how many years have you been cancer-free, Kylene? So as of right now, I am 16 years cancer-free, just over 16 years um, at, as of April. So I'm just beaming. It doesn't seem possible, but that's amazing. No, there are days where it feels like that was over a lifetime ago, and then sometimes it really wasn't that long ago at all. So um, I feel like yeah. it's not possible since we're still in our 20s, right? Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, I just I don't want to gloss over over that space, um, you know, because that piece of it. So many questions. Any you know anybody who's been through a diagnosis. You just don't know what's coming. You don't, you, there's just this big fear button that kind of presses in our chest. And just for those of us that love you, um, around you at that time, and same thing, not really knowing, not understanding, you know, how to support, what were some of the things that you experienced, you know, during treatment and kind of after that you feel would be good for us to hear about? You know, the biggest thing, it, it was... For me, like when I was going through this, like, and whether this is right or wrong, I put on this skin that helped me power up, stay positive, try to look at the bright side. When I was having a bad day with chemo, I was always looking back at, okay, I might be feeling sick today, but you know what? Somebody else has probably got it worse than me today. So I'm going to buck up and I'm going to truck through this. And I think the bigger reason I put that skin on to try to power through things was I was living with my parents and anybody out there listening who's a parent, um, I'm one now, so I really get it, but they will do anything for their child. They would have taken this away from me in a minute. And I could see the pain and the worry on their face because I lived with them and I wanted to protect them a little bit from that. Like I'm doing great. I'm fine. You know, when I'm not throwing up in the toilet, like, (laughs) I'm good. I'm actually doing okay. Like I'm great. So going through it, like for me, like having a checklist, it was easy to like, cause I folk, I love checklists. I love that. (laughs) So knowing that I'm like, I have these 10 chemo treatments. We're done. We're done. Like, Oh, now we're on to radiation. Oh, we had, you know, the surgery was first, like to me, like having that checklist, I had something to focus on and I'm like, okay, we're accomplishing things feeling good. We're getting past this. And everybody's going to approach that very differently. And I think that's my biggest thing to share with people is no matter what your diagnosis is or what stage you're at or what your you know community looks like that's supporting you, it's always going to be different for every single person. And the feelings that come along with it are going to be different. And to not be ashamed of those feelings, really, I mean, embrace them, cry if you need to, throw the pity parties. I mean, it's it's not fun. Um, and sometimes you need to do all of that stuff and not put the brave face on for everybody. Um, (laughs) it's just so wise. And, um, thank you for, it's not easy to open up. I'm sure this, um, space in your life again, because as you stated, I'm 16 years, there's been a lot of life. Thank God since then. Yes. Uh, Gratefully for all of those 16 years and just so happy um, to have you in my life still 
you know, just knowing, um, even, uh, even the years after just celebrating the cancer free and, and the further you get away from that, the easier it would be to, to lose these. But I love that you just shared that, you know, from your own lessons. And I think about, um, just the really deep value that you just shared with us about it's okay. Like whatever your reaction is during that fear pit, that's yours. And, you know, to, to be okay with how that is and in the moment, but then also thinking about you, as you describe it, putting this skin on, um, that's, you know, it's our coping mechanisms, right? So Mm -hmm. we don't really even know how we're going to react to something until we're in it. Um, and what a wise observation that you've made about, you know, some of the reasons you, you had to get strong or to be strong and hooking into your checklists, whatever that is to get you through the fear that, you know, clearly worked for you. And when I remember about you during that time, Kai, and in for years following is that exceptional optimism. And it's something that was magnetic. I want you to know that um, about yourself because it was uh, in my own stages and my own journeys and the life path that you and I were so closely connected um, for so many years before my kids came along and screwed everything up. <laughs> time to be together, but truly it feels like, oh, you know, you have all these lessons about what you could have done differently. And I want you to be able to unpack that in terms of your focus on mental health and all the lessons that you gained from that. But I feel like you needed to hear how critical your life message was at that time for all of us around you, seeing you bravely um, live through that, that space of your life. Um, So just kudos to you. Thank you. Yeah, it's definitely not hard to put that positive spin on things. Um, But it did give me a lot of perspective because, you know, obviously when when you're diagnosed with something like cancer and having to totally change train tracks, basically, from going back to college to, okay, well, now we have this. And I did find a job at that time and I was working full time, which I really enjoyed that job. So I think it helped me focus as well um, and not, you know, focus so much on the treatment and the cancer and actually be able to live a little bit while I was going through this. But it, it was it was hard. I mean, to, you know, as a 22 year old being diagnosed with cancer, like you immediately are thrown into grown up land and grown up things and as a 22 year old, like you shouldn't have to deal with that stuff yet. Mm-hmm. So it, it was tough, but at the same time, like it gave me a lot of perspective on not sweating the small stuff. And I try, I try every day on that. And as I get older, that's gets a little bit harder. I don't know why, mainly because there's just so many other things going on and probably because I'm a mom now, but I still try to come back to that. And I think one of my favorite things to think about right now. And I I really don't do good with this um, as much as I should, but I really try to view life as, you know, it's not what your circumstances are bringing to you. It's what you bring to them. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, your decisions, how you react to everything that's happening around you. Like I try to really live by that because it is all about how I react to it. And I think that especially for me, I think that really helps if I think of it in that sense, like this stuff is not happening to me. How, okay. How am I going to react to this? How am I going to change and reframe? Mm. So 
was so it's so wise um, because we can't like, control we can't control those things. I just uh, yesterday had an experience a little separate where my daughter had the potential to really get physically harmed, and in the end, she just bloodied and bruised but not broken. And my sister experienced a traumatic thing yesterday too, and I was just it had me thinking like it's really how we react in these moments. You know, we can't control everything around us. We can't control the diagnosis. Um, but that wisdom that you just gave is really about how we react to it. And then just going back to that ripple that you have, you know, the effect you have on people around you when you're going through the trials really um, provides an opportunity to share light with others. And that's so not easy when you're in the pit yourself. You know, going back to this idea of putting the skin on too, I think it's something that that people who have spent a lot of time you know, challenged and been forged through fire and can come out of it, can see how that skin can be healthy, but it can also be harmful. And so, you know, having a, a good perspective on life and a positive viewpoint is, yes, it's so critical, but there's a cost to that too. It can be. So do you want to share just a little bit about some of the revelations you may have had in regard to uh, some of the supports you could have engaged with at that time that may have helped you yeah. Through some of that. I think one of the biggest things that, and I share this with every woman that's, you know, newly diagnosed that, you know, would like any advice. I don't try to impart it on them without their, you know, requesting it. But, you know, the big, the biggest thing that came out of this for me is I wish I would have asked about a psychologist at that time, because when I put that skin on, I was powering through the checklist of factual things like here's what the treatment course is, things that you could see and you knew to beat something you could see. Mm-hmm. But there was a piece that you couldn't see. And because I didn't deal with the feelings and emotions that come along with this big thing, I about a year after I got done with treatment, I'm like, yay, I'm done with treatment. Awesome. Moving on. Well, what did moving on look like? And I just, I, I sunk into this serious depression and anxiety and it was tough. Cause I, I alienated a lot of friends because I wasn't willing to tell them about this. Mm. I, and as anybody who's gone through depression knows you, you do things that you're not proud of. You, you make up stories, you lie because you don't want to go out, but you make up a story about, well, I can't make it today because of X, Y, Z. And you're really telling them a lie because you don't want them to know the real reason why you don't want to go out. It's because you feel awful and you want to bury yourself in your bed and you want to be alone. And I, I coped by (laughs) binge, binge eating basically. (laughs) And I would eat and eat and eat. I would just go down to the convenience store and get all this, you know, bags of Doritos and donuts. And <laughs> I gained all a lot Doritos. Of- <laughs> I know they're addictive. Dang it! Um, <laughs> and it's like cartons of ice cream. Like I would just sit and eat because that numbed the pain for a little while, but it didn't make it go away. And then I created a bigger issue because then I was unhappy with my weight because I was very much overweight and. <laughs> So at some point, though, I did I did reach what was my rock bottom at that time and realized I need help. Mm-hmm. And I found a really great psychologist who, you know, had a lot of history of working with individuals who had cancer. Um, I think more specifically breast cancer, too. And she was amazing. She gave me so many tools to help me get myself back out of that pit and get back to my life. There was a little bit of medication that helped with that too um, at the time because obviously there was a little bit of a 
imbalance, chemical imbalance too, and that helped. But the actual therapy was what seriously helped. And I wish that I would have done that or had that while I was going through the cancer, because even though I was trying to put that skin on to be brave for my family and everybody around me and for myself too, a little bit to just drive through and not focus on everything. Cause I really feel the positivity helped me through the treatment. I, I really do wish that I would have saw somebody or sought somebody else at that time to talk to, because there's a lot of big feelings when you're going through this stuff. And I usually, anybody who is newly diagnosed, that's willing to hear advice about that. I, I share with them. Mm. It's not as much taboo nowadays to talk about mental health and it surrounds us in many different ways and shapes and forms. I mean, I know you know this more than anybody, Sarah. But yeah, I just, that's my biggest thing that I wish I would have done differently through that whole process. Yeah. And I think you're, and thank you for bravely, just bravely sharing that because um, it really provides an opportunity for us to sit back and think about that. You know, anytime we're going through a significant trial, you, it's kind of like, I, I equate it to when you've, um, it's an adrenaline rush when you've been through a significant pain. Like if you have a, a major accident, you're just in that moment of adrenaline and that period can last, you know, emotionally for obviously, as you stated, almost a year with that treatment. But then there's there's that consistent uh, fallout and in that reopening of the trauma or when we put it aside and we don't deal with it, um, these pieces that kind of lay broken <laughs> around us and it just that, how do we put that back together? Right. Um, so just really, sh man, I'm so proud of you for, for saying out loud what you just shared with our listeners. Cause I know that that landed somewhere somebody needed to hear that Kylie. And I, I really thank you for that. Yeah. It's an important, it's, it's important to have, even when you feel like you're healthy and not in depression, I think it's super healthy to go talk to somebody. I would wish I had a therapist right now, just to, you know, your normal <laughs> life stuff. We're like, one another's therapy. I agree. I was just thinking about that. And I literally just said this, um, this week that, oh goodness, Brene Brown sees a therapist. Like why, <laughs> why do the rest of us, you know, think that we don't need it? Um, yeah, I think we really think healthy. we need it only when we're having a problem, right? Yeah. And I think that just helping us uh, having somebody who's a third party to bounce things off of once in a while helps you just be healthier in general. So yeah, it's maybe. keeping those proactive habits to keep us out of those pits, you know, that we tend to fall into. So Correct. Good. Yeah. But, so. Well, Kylene, let's let's look at a little bit. I I love so much um, that you've shared all these really great <laughs> great examples of like leading through fear. But there's other things that I think our listeners can relate to. I mean, my goodness, when you look back at your life, even since diagnosis and recovery and celebrations, you've had a huge life, you know, span behind you. You're a mother, you know, that you've led through fear on those things because <laughs> we all do. Let's be honest. <laughs> yep. You know. Um, and I just, do you have any, any other kind of significant things that you'd like to make sure that our listeners hear before we move into our standard questions? I mean, I just feel like there's always fear around every corner, like you said, with being a mother, or even if you're not a mother, you know, maybe you want to be a mother and you're not able to, like, there's all sorts of fear around yeah. all, all around all the corners and just, you know, trying to find the tools that will work for you. I think that's, that's the biggest the biggest thing, because this tool that works for me isn't going to be the same tool that works for you or anybody else in any similar situation. So I think that's just important. It's just good. And it's so real. It's just, it's real life. And I think we get 
um, you know, I, I was listening to you and thinking, well, you're talking 16 years ago. And I mean, the doctor calling you at your parents' house because we didn't have smartphones and we didn't have the, you know, <laughs> the messaging that we have in the medical world anymore. You know, so much has changed even since then. And it, but it's so easy to get caught up in the real on people's lives on social media and think that, you know, I must be the only one experiencing how fearful it is to be a mom or how afraid it is that you, you know, X, Y, and Z, whatever that fear is for you. But so good to, for you to sit here and remind us that we have to figure out what works best for us and that we're not alone. Like we need to have these real conversations and realize that has with it a lot of fear. And in order to lead out of faith, we have to be able to face it and overcome it. So thank you for that. Yes. Okay. So my two standard questions that my listeners are used to having me ask are, one is if you could write yourself a letter at any age or stage, Kylene, what would you say? You know, I think the letter I would write to myself, I mean, obviously there'd be a lot of different letters at a lot of different stages to slap Kylene upside the head once in a while. (laughs) But I think the biggest one for me would have been to write myself a letter in that experience to go see that psychologist, because I feel like I... I, I didn't waste a lot of years. I won't use that word, but um, in lack of finding the word that I want to use for that, I think it would have just saved me from a lot more pain and it would have maybe saved a few friendships along the way too. Um, if I would have sought that earlier, I think that would be the letter that I would have written myself at that time. That's good advice. And I bet somebody needed to hear that news right now, you know, like that reminder that it's okay. And to get ourselves well. Um, how about if for those listeners that are just, <laughs> their hearts are pounding right now because they know that they need to hear whatever it is you're about to say next, uh, they find themselves in a pit of their own fear or doubt, and it's Kylene's words that they need to hear right now to help them up out, what would you say? I would say you're not alone and it's okay to be scared. Um, you don't always have to be strong. And that's, that's the key thing. You don't always have to be strong and somebody is always there to listen. I think that's the biggest thing. Just know that you're not alone and it's okay to be scared. Such good um, advice and wisdom coming from uh, one of the strongest, most fearless leaders I know in my life. I'm so grateful to have been gifted with early on. Kylene, would you um, recommend, is there anybody that you connect with on social media that you think would be good for our listeners to connect with? Yeah, I have I have two uh, two individuals that I follow regularly um, on Instagram um, and on Facebook. Um, one of them is Nourish Move Love, Lindsay Baumgren. She has this great um, Instagram account um, and also Clean and Lean Fit, who's it's run by Carissa Rasmussen. They're both very positive women role models and they they lead with a lot of positive um affirmations they're very godly women which is another reason why i follow them they just they're great they great they're great role models and they always lift me up and they always give me great perspective um whenever whatever they post that's Um, awesome so i love following them Yay. So I'll make sure to link them up for the listeners, uh, a cause that you would have our listeners look at or direct them to if they want to learn more. You know, mental health awareness in general, it's a big thing um, out there. Obviously, everybody knows that. um, And I've been very focused on it um, within our own workplace organization lately. We're very, you know, aware of trying to be present and managing stress um, because I think the stress that everybody feels in these days and age and a lot of it can be brought on by social media. (laughs) the comparison game right on social media 
mental, mental health awareness is one of my, it's something that I'm very passionate about right now, along with breast cancer awareness. I would love to find a cure for that, but mental health is kind of right up there right now. Kylene, I am so grateful that you overcame fears of sharing your story and uh, coming on to my podcast so that my listeners could gain so much wisdom from you today. This this will always remain one of my very favorite interviews for the rest of my life. I don't care who I have the honor of interviewing. <laughs> it's a great honor to be able to share your story. Kylene, it's, it's very special to me. And I know that there are listeners that needed to hear the mission and your message. So thank you so much for coming on and having this incredibly awe-inspiring interview with me. Thank you for having me. It was fun to talk to you like I was telling you before. It's just a great start to my day. Okay, friends, I went ahead and linked all of Kylene's wonderful, awe-inspiring recommendations, as well as a few of my own to engage with in the show notes. I wanted to also be sure to mention that the month of October is National Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And according to the American Cancer Society, about 268, 600,000 new cases of invasive breast cancer will be diagnosed in women. About 62,930 new cases of carcinoma will be diagnosed. And also non-invasive forms of breast cancer. About 41,760 women will die from breast cancer. Trends in breast cancer incident in recent years indicate rates have increased slightly, which is 0.4% per year, but trends in deaths related to breast cancer have decreased, and they assert that that can be related to early screenings and better treatment. To honor Kylene's story and all the precious ones in my own life touched by this disease, I put out a call to action for you to remember to complete your own monthly exam and for you to remind the loved ones in your life to also do the same. Share this story to others so that they will remember to do it and we rise by lifting others. So you have the opportunity to do that today by sharing Kylene's message using the hashtag in awe to rise.